Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. If we want to achieve crazy big goals, it's mandatory that we will fail along the way. And if that's mandatory, then instead of trying not to fail, why shouldn't we just embrace failure, take it for what it is, learning and growing. And by doing that, by having that healthy relationship with failure, uh, we can speed up the process and achieve the success that we really want. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. If you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with author of Marketing with Webinars, Tom Poland, and with marketing strategist, Ardeth Elby, then do check them out. Only after you've listened to today's conversation, of course. I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Miha Matlievsky. He's also known as the Fail Coach. Miha is a serial entrepreneur with 23 years of experience that has grown and scaled nine companies over seven to nine plus figures in different industries all around the world. Miha has personally generated over three billion in sales and has been a part of many joint ventures and partnerships where he's been able to generate 24 million in funding. His Operation Firehouse teaches seven-plus-figure entrepreneurs how to go from working 60 to 70 hours per week to managing their company with four to six hours per week. And who wouldn't want that? In our discussion today, Miha talked to me about embracing failure as feedback and learning from it. We talked about using an ideal role avatar. And we talked about Firehouse time versus fire hose time. Without further ado, then let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Miha Matlievsky. Hi, I'm your host, Jurgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today from Serbia, all the way in Europe. Miha Matlievsky. Miha is the fail coach and he's also host of the Coffee Conversations with Miha LinkedIn live show. Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Miha. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Hello. Hi, Jürgen. It's an absolute pleasure to be here and uh, to get to know your audience just the way my audience got to know you a few weeks ago. Yeah, we had a fun conversation then, and uh, Tommy Breedlove, another fun conversation I had on episode 437 of the Innova Buzz podcast, suggested that we have a conversation with you, and he introduced us, so big uh, hello to Tommy. Yeah, very big hello to Tommy. He's just a wonderful human being, uh, making great connections all over the world. Yeah, that's right. So he's based in the US I don't remember the town I think it might be Texas somewhere and um he connected us from Australia to Europe <laughs> yes all right now the fail coach I'm I'm really curious to understand the background behind that and also you know learn from your many years of experience in business in in many different areas but before we get started on that what's the impact you're making in the world Miha well, I would say that there are two impacts. Uh, one would be I'm very passionate about, uh, um, helping, uh, with saving animals, uh, stray animals. So that's, uh, something that's very 
close to my heart. And mm -hmm. the other one I would say is when you see your clients uh, grow and uh, we have a vision statement at Fail Coach that says uh, that we create servant leaders and you know by definition servant leaders they are not in it just for themselves but they want to make an impact and it's so lovely to see how they choose different causes that they are passionate about and uh, making this world a better place one little step at a time mm, i love it i love it and um yeah um stray animals that's a an interesting one, interesting uh, juxtaposition to the work you do in business. Well, how did that you come know, about? With me, there's always a story behind it, and uh, <laughs> not to go too long, uh, but as a fail coach, uh, I had to first fail myself a lot uh, to be able to, you know, get that nickname. And uh, after that big failure in 2009 where I lost everything in just one single day and ended up $5 million in personal debt. Uh, months later, you know, I had to go through a lot of depression, anxiety. Uh, I came very close to committing suicide. And if it wasn't for uh, my dog, Happy, um, I probably wouldn't be around. But uh, because of him, um, you know, I was like, what will happen to him and and that gave me the strength to start picking myself back up and once i solved you know all my problems once i exited then later a startup i created and scaled very fast um i just said i have to give back to you know the animal community the way he saved me now it's time for me to save a few lives mm. Mm, i love it so you talked about failure and and you know pretty big failure where you were deep in personal debt and it impacted on your emotional well-being um what apart from your dog happy and you said well what will happen to him what was the turnaround point where you you said okay i can move forward from here things will well, get better if i do you know if i do certain things well the the first thing it was a two-part thing. The second part came years later, but the first thing was uh, the way I tried to commit suicide was jumping from a balcony, not the smartest way to do it. You know, um, you you fall down and and it can hurt a lot. So I don't know why didn't I chose some easier way, like you know, taking a bunch of pills. But I was on the balcony. I was on the other side of the fence already, and I was just hanging with one hand. Uh, grasping the, the fence and looking down. And it, it was at that moment when it really hit me that everything that happened to me, the good and the bad, was really just my fault. Uh, because before that moment, the good things, of course, they were, you know, my fault, but the bad things, I always find, found somebody else to blame. 2009, you know, the financial crisis, the government not doing enough, uh, la di da di da a whole bunch of excuses um and you know i felt like a victim and it was at that moment when i realized that it really wasn't anybody else's fault it was my fault my companies didn't have strong foundations and this was missing that was missing and that gave me that empowerment when i realized oh you know if if, if i change if i do things better i can actually do better and those things will never happen to me again, or not at, in that extent. But then later on, many years later, as I was starting to talk more about the topic and things like that, and that's where I got the nickname, the fail coach. Uh, uh, it, it didn't, I didn't came up with it. I was given the, the nickname. Mm. But the thing was that the longer the time went and me doing a lot of reflection on the past, I started understanding that failing is really nothing else but growth opportunity. Um, and if you have healthy relationship with failure so that you don't go down the rabbit hole and so on, um, it can actually be an amazing tool or an amazing thing uh, that helps you grow much, much faster and achieve success much, much faster. And, you know, let's be real. When you're an entrepreneur, you're 
often trying to achieve something you haven't achieved before. So you're going for a bigger, greater goal. And when you're doing that, you're doing things for the first time. When you go from 50 employees to 1,000 employees, there's a whole lot of things that you'll do for the first time. And on our first try, we usually fail in anything, whether that's, you know, riding a bicycle or mm. trying to walk as a, as a baby. Um, usually the first few tries we fail and then slowly we pick ourselves up and we get better and better and better. And, uh, so if we want to achieve crazy big goals, it's mandatory that we will fail along the way. And if that's mandatory, then instead of trying not to fail, why shouldn't we just embrace failure, take it for what it is, learning and growing. And by doing that, by having that healthy relationship with failure, uh, we can speed up the process and achieve the success that we really want. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. Um, I, my business coach likes to say that there's no such thing as failure. It's just all feedback. Um, and I think that's, that's possibly a, a, an expression of what you're saying there. But I like, you know, the, the idea that uh, when we first started walking, every, every single uh, child, when they first started walking, I mean, they fall over pretty quickly, you know, as soon as they let go of whatever it is they're holding on to when they, um, you know, they learn to stand up and then they walk along the furniture or walk along some adult's hand. And as soon as they let go the first time, they fall over. And, you know, n none of us have, have then said, oh, I failed, <laughs> I give up. So you know, pretty well, everybody's walking. And, and then society kind of educates us that, you know, subsequent failures are actually a bad thing. How how can we kind of come back to that mindset of, oh, I fell over. I'll have to get up and try this again. And maybe what can I learn from that? How do I do it differently? Well, you said it yourself, you know, when when we are learning to walk or learning to ride a bicycle or making, I don't know, breath for the first time or a risotto or something, if we don't have huge emotions attached to it, you know, maybe you're making a risotto for, you know, a special someone. You'll have probably quite high expectations, especially if that's early in the dating stage, you know, you might want to think, oh, if the risotto is good, we have a few glasses of wine and, you know, this night might continue into breakfast. Uh, uh, when we have high emotions attached to, to a task, then if we fail, we have highly emotional reaction to it. Um, so the, to establish healthy relationship with failure, we have to become more logical and not focus on the end result, but really logically understanding that that result was just a finish line of a certain process and look at the process, figure out the bottlenecks, figure out maybe wrong steps in the process. You know, maybe we added too much liquid to the risotto or too little liquid, or maybe we used the wrong cheese that didn't melt the way it should and so on. Um, and so that's how we have to shift. And then we immediately start seeing the lessons there when we look at the process. Now, of course, when something like that happens to you in that moment, we all get emotional reactions. And I've learned and, and this is something that I work very closely with my clients that mindfulness, mindful meditation and just mindfulness in general, being mindful throughout the day, um, helps us to snap out of that moment to realize, Oh, this is happening. Ooh, I'm having a huge emotional reaction. Okay. What do I need? I need to just go out and do a 10 minute walk or I need to do some breathing or something. I need to bring myself back. I need to ground myself from that emotional reaction. When we are able to achieve that, then once we are grounded, it's very easy to look at the processes. And once we do that, uh, uh, a lot will change and the way we react to uh, things. And then we can start picking up the lessons. We can start doing, um, I have certain uh, routines that, uh, I put my clients through, like at the end of the day, we have reflect, uh, figure out what lessons we can learn from the day, small or big, and then action planning. How can I implement those lessons tomorrow so that 
tomorrow I do things better. And the goal is to just be one or two percent better next day over time. Um, that compounds into a whole lot. Mm, I love it. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. You brought up the example of the risotto on the date night. You reminded me of the first time I invited my wife, my, my then, <laughs> um, new girlfriend over for, for dinner. And I, um, I cooked a roast and I, I, with the roast, I, for the very first time, <laughs> it's a bold move. For the very first time, I made spätzle, which is a, a local specialty. You know that, yeah, <laughs> from our area, and and they're actually very. Um, there's a technique to making them, and I'd seen my mother make them, I'd seen my grandmothers make them, but I'd never actually paid exact attention to what to do. <laughs> I knew the ingredients. I made them, and and they go into water, boil in water, and it all clumped up into one huge lump which is clearly wrong and um probably wouldn't have been uh, very nice and, and just then the doorbell rang <laughs> she arrived so i just before i let her in i threw it in the rubbish bin i let her in and i said oh, i'm gonna have to try this again <laughs> so yes so it was a quite high level of, of emotion just as you described yeah, and then, you know, when, when that happens, then we can go into those rabbit holes and negative self-talk yeah. and things like that, yeah. But luckily, the the next batch still wasn't that good, but it was better, it was edible, and, and we are, we have been married for over 40 years, so <laughs> something must have worked out. <laughs> so you can embrace the failure. Yes. So you talked about mindfulness. Um, what exactly do you mean by that? Because a lot of people use this word and, and I always wonder, well, you know, what do they mean by that? Because it is a, a big term. It could embrace a whole lot of different things. Well, for me, that's really just simply, um, being mindful. So being present, uh, being in the driver's seat and not, you know, letting the autopilots, uh, get in the way because we human beings, we are designed to switch on the autopilots. I mean, that's how we breathe. That's how we do a whole lot of things is on autopilot. Um, and, uh, but that's not always a good thing, especially when, again, when we are aiming for something new, because, you know, what got you here will, might not get you there. So you might have to do different things. So, uh, you might need to create new autopilots, but that time in between, uh, the old autopilot and the uh, desired new autopilots, you have to be in the driver's seat, you have to be present, you have to uh, be uh, in the moment so that you can correct and not switch on the old autopilots. And it, it's really just that being present uh, throughout the day and uh, practicing mindfulness now for whew, since 2012, what's that, nine years? I, I think I, I can honestly say that I spent about 90% of my day being, being very present, catching myself in different moments, taking time to reflect when I see that it's needed and, you know, doing decom decompression stuff. So when I see some huge emotions boiling up, I quickly do a mindful meditation, go for a quick walk, play with my doggies, just, you know, something, uh, that grounds me back and, uh, yeah, that's how I understand mindfulness in, in this particular way that will help you, uh, dealing with, with, you know, failures and trials and testing and innovation and, you know, all those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it. So essentially, it sounds like what you're describing is kind of taking almost like taking a third person look. So step back from whatever has triggered that emotion step back and then kind of look at it almost as a third person as an audience member and and then you can be a little bit more objective yes. about okay what's going on what was the trigger here and how can i react making the choice to react perhaps in a in another way than the first emotional response yes because very often we human beings we think that we don't have choices you know, that we don't have a choice how we react, how we see something. Last year, Corona, you know, many entrepreneurs felt like they, they can't control anything, but, but 
in the reality we can we can control how we react to that particular thing we we can con you know we have a choice what we will do how we will change pivot shift do this do that um so yeah we have a whole lot more control and choice than uh we give ourselves credit for we think that most of the things oh it it just is what it is but that's not the truth it is when you're on autopilot but when you switch mm. off the autopilot you have all the choices in the world mm. yeah that's great advice so you talked earlier on about not having the fundamentals in place in in those early businesses that um then resulted in in things collapsing when there were you know the external environment changed what what are some talk to us about some of those pillars that need to be in place to have a business be more resilient to external environments like covid for example or going back to the days of the financial crisis well i mean you know most entrepreneurs when we start a business we focus on marketing and sales and then you know we focus on okay so now i have to deliver what i sold whether that's a product or a service or whatever but then we skip on so many other things and we just have to look at the business holistically yes marketing and sales and delivery will get you to a certain point in a stable economical macroeconomical environment but when those things start shifting if you don't have you know good cash flow um if you don't have any reserves if you don't have systems and processes in place if things are not duplicatable if you rely too many uh, too much on uh persons uh uh and not on a system so you know for any business to be able to grow and especially to scale um everybody needs to be able to walk away from the business and the business still has to go forward so the only way to achieve that is with good system um then you know we don't have systems and processes in place we don't have any kpis benchmarking uh any way to logically figure out where we are what's happening because you know lack of sales you you most often you will not see change for a few months because the client journey usually takes some time from no to like to trust and if something's happening on the no part uh the sales will be impacted only later on and if you if you don't have any KPIs in place of how you monitor the client journey um at one point you will be oh i don't have any new clients coming in uh and if you start dealing with it then and you know that your client journey takes i don't know a month to build to the point of trust where they start buying from you well you know and if you don't have any cash reserves any cash flow reserves that month might kill you i mean mm. you know have you bankrupt my businesses in the past uh were really like that first house from the three little pig story <laughs> um and you know when when the uh crisis in back in 2008 and 9 when when you know that wind came just like from the wolf in the story um they all collapsed immediately because there was no foundations in place i had marketing i had sales and we were delivering what we sold but none of the rest was in place and again in a good macroeconomic environment that might be good because jurgen you probably remember uh years before that crash 2005 6 7 it was booming everything was booming i mean if you were an entrepreneur and you were walking down the street next to a bank the bank was throwing money at you just to do something with it um of course they made you sign a whole lot of all the things that you know uh you will vouch for that money with your personal belongings and everything uh but at that time nobody was thinking oh a crisis is coming so we were all like oh yeah more money um you know sometimes we were driven by some greed as well because we wanted to just grow 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 um and yeah when when things got tough um it was just so easy to crash without any of the other uh uh foundations in place and especially what's true for entrepreneurs is that we often really just look at uh at the front front facing thing so marketing sales delivery what bringing cash flow in but we don't look at 
backend stuff like finances, like legal, like uh, HR, like systems and processes. That's all the boring stuff. And, mm. and so we, we avoid it, uh, uh, as much as we can. But again, um, you can go for a certain amount of time and you can achieve. I, I've had clients who achieved multi seven figure results by not having foundations in place in good macroeconomic environment. But at some point, um, not having foundations, the backend foundations in place will stop that growth and can even uh, put you at a place where you start declining. Hmm. Yeah, well, thanks for going through all that. I mean, there's so much to unpack there. And, and I think the um, lesson is pretty clear. There's a lot of things and, and systems and processes is one that I talk about a lot. Um, that's That's something that I'm probably very good at and um, maybe even too too focused on at times but certainly if I see a business that doesn't have that in place I, I'm always very wary because it's like you say that they're so dependent on the people that know how to do things that if those people even if they're just sick for a week um, things go off the rails very quickly yeah. things mm. can happen you know they might I don't know um, their spouse might get a lifetime opportunity and they have to just the whole family move and they come to mm. them and say, Hey, you know, we got this opportunity. We have to take it. I mean, they're not, you know, co-owners. They're just employees. And, yeah. um, if, if they find a better opportunity, maybe they're headhunted by a, by a competitor and they get, you know, maybe, I don't know, it's a young family. They want to buy a house. The competitor gives them better paycheck. Uh, and, you know, they think, oh, with better che paycheck, I can be better, get better, uh, uh, um, resolution at the bank for the mortgage. And, you know, um, I mean, anything can happen. They can go skiing, you know, uh, fall and end up in hospital for two, three weeks. So there's mm. plenty of things that can really happen. And so relying on people with you know name and surname uh is not the way to grow your business you you have to rely on a system we be very clear on the roles so when we work with our clients it, uh, you know every company has organizational chart but none of them have role charts so ideal role avatar uh and and then we put uh hard skills, soft skills, personality traits, behaviors uh, that are necessary for that particular role. Um, and then they, of course, that needs to match with the hiring and the company culture and the values of the company. So, yeah, quite a lot of things to unpack for mm. one podcast episode. Yeah, yeah. I love the, love the ideal role of Avatar. I've used this in the past as well because we do this exercise with um, coming up with the dream customer profile and I thought gee that could be used for defining everything employees yeah and the role yeah. So, yeah. employees if mm. you're going for a business partner for a co-founder mm. make sure that you make an ideal partner avatar if you are a startup and you want to go for exit because you know depending on who your ideal exit avatar is uh, you might drive how you do things in the company differently. If, if you want to be bought by your competitor, maybe you will focus on the KPI of growing client list because that's what they might be most interested in. If you want to be bought by, a, uh, by an investor, purely financial investors, then you will focus on the balance sheet, on profit and loss statement on uh, profitability and so on. So uh, all those decisions, how you run your company might be very different based on what exit scenario you want to go for. And if you're not clear who your um, ideal exit avatar is, then, you know, you, you'll do a little bit here, a little bit there, and that will just slow down progress. That will slow down momentum. You will use uh, too much resources because you're battling too many different battles at the same time. So the more clarity you have, um, the more you can really focus your resources, create m more uh, momentum and get there faster. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great, great tool. And I think, um, you know, I need to 
suggest it to more people and use it in in more situations so the the idea of embracing failure and and having a healthy relationship with it how how do you bring that because you talked about culture and you know in hiring employees that culture was cultural fit was one of the big things how do you kind of build build that into the culture of your organization that um acceptance of failure that uh idea that failure is just something to learn from well first you need to have the breakthrough with uh the owners they are driving the culture uh, you know like i mean everything in business starts at the top with the leadership so if they are not living what's on the piece of paper well then nobody will in the company so first they need to really embrace that and start living that and showing with examples with reactions when something bad happens with good reactions um showing you know like people in our business our employees and and please hopefully nobody will be offended by this but they're like little children uh looking at their parents so when you're a leader when you're at the top you're like a parent and children they don't usually listen to parents they do what parents do they pick up the behaviors of parents right and and the same is true with the employees the employees they're looking at their leaders and if the leaders are saying one thing but then doing another thing well then you have a problem and then you have problem with culture so first really the the top leadership needs to embrace that even when i'm working because sometimes we get i'm get hired by fortune 500 companies and i work with top leadership in those companies on this particular matter um i even worked with um two of the big four uh um on 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 those topics yes nda so i can't really name most of those mm. clients but um if the leadership doesn't embrace that and really start living there is no way that you can push that uh down and then once the leadership embraces that and really starts living that what one thing is showing with example leading with example and the other one is some good internal pr because people forget you know if you just tell them something one time well it might stick for a week but then you know the autopilots kick in and they will forget so you really need to create a very good um internal pr pr plan to reinforce uh company culture and and those things that go into company culture hmm yeah so i love it so it's it's really behavior leading by examples and then reinforcing the message often yes right all right um um you also talked about fast scaling businesses that that when you came out of those failures and started again and uh, realized there were some choices that you had that you could do differently and so what are some of the things to um for those that are really looking to grow very quickly some of the key things that they need to do well first of all is you need to really start with a solid due diligence in the beginning so when we are hired by startups we start with the due diligence why because we really need to understand everything that's going in the company and if you just talk with the founders they might see it one way uh but it might not be always the correct way because it's filtered through how they see the world around them um and then after that you make a two year plan um which is really then quarter by quarter for the next two years and you you have to start with the end first so first figuring out uh why do we want to scale um you know what's the end uh result of that like this year we had two exits uh so two of our clients had um exits and in at one client the goal was um uh, that the owners want to exit before the exit why because they don't want to be locked in and you know we had to put all those things in place an exit strategy like that so that it really happened in that way and then when they went from um a, a small six figure startup um i think if i remember correctly they were making less than half a million a year when we started two and a half three years ago um and in two and a half years we we 
laid, laid down all the foundations. We took care of the scaling. We did the exit before exit. Then we went for exit uh, scenario with the buyer. And just a few months ago, they were acquired for $55 million. Mm. Yeah, that's impressive. So it's kind of work, working the goal out, working the end result and and going backwards, having done the d due diligence. Yeah. And most often when it's scaling, you really need outside help. Top leadership really needs that outside help um, because so much is happening on a daily basis. Things can get very emotional and, and you just need. So for, for those high scaling companies, I have something that I call Miha in your pocket. Uh, <laughs> because it, it's, it's just an app, Voxer, just like WhatsApp and so on. I just mm. wanted to have one that's only for clients so that I don't have other messages. And, and really we interact through that app, um, on a daily basis, multiple times a day. So every, few hours we do a little recap and re-strategizing and reshifting priorities and so on and when you pair that together then yes you can really scale fast um so we just did a case study um and you know if any of your audience wants to 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 see that it's eight pages long but it's a really um uh, done as a case study so showing the whole process with the graphs, with naming the company, everything. Uh, in one year, uh, three times increase in revenue uh, with one company here from Serbia. Um, so, and then we laid everything. What was the before situation? All the process that we went through with all the graphs that are supporting everything. And they, they achieved three times more revenue with almost the same number of employees, which shows you how much they improved the whole system and process. And we laid everything in that document. So again, it's eight pages long, but if anybody wants that PDF, they can hit me up and I will be very happy to send it their way. And even just by reading that process, they can have a lot of ideas what they can do in their business to lay down strong foundations. Mm, sounds like a wonderful resource. I might have to have a look at it myself. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think it's a good point now to transition into the buzz, which is our lightning round where I ask my guests the same five questions each, each episode. And the idea is that you'll share some tips from your experience that will inspire the listener to go and do something awesome as a result today. So you ready? Yes, absolutely. Excellent. So what do you think the number one thing is anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Fail more. <laughs> well, okay. failure drives innovation. Yeah. I thought you might say that. And embrace failure as, as opportunities to learn from. Yes. Develop healthy relationship towards failure and then fail fast, fail forward. Hmm. Great. Love it. All right. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Um, a lot of firehouse time. So not being on the fire ground, but spending a lot of time in the firehouse, um, strategizing, thinking. Firehouse really just means going, you know, uh, to, to sit next to a water. For me, water for me is something that uh, really sparks the creativity and, and calms me down. To sit next to a river or sea and really just firehouse, think strategically. So everything in business, I approach it in the same way. Strategy first, plan, and then execution. Most entrepreneurs just go straight into the execution phase and then there's no plan, no strategy behind it. They don't have any clarity on KPIs, benchmarking, stuff like that. And then we get to the point where we think or we feel that something is working or not working, or we can't decide uh, whether to continue certain activity or not. Uh, but you should eliminate that as much as possible in running a business. Mm. Yeah, I love it. And uh, getting away from the business into nature is is a really good way to kind of be a little bit more mindful as well, isn't it? To sort of yes, take that, yes. that, um, almost what we were talking about before the third party observer kind yes. of role. Yes. And that's, you know, uh, I mean, another example would be 
uh, when, you know, when, uh, when there's war, it's not the soldier in the front line that wins the battle. It's the general on the top of the hill being, you know, in the firehouse, uh, overlooking, seeing, strategizing, planning. And that's what you have to do as the CEO, as, as, uh, the director of the company. That's where you need to spend most of the time in the firehouse, not on the fire ground. Hmm. All right. Do you have a favorite resource you use most often? Well, my favorite resource is, is really a bunch of coaches and, and uh, consultants that uh, I have in my network. And we often have get togethers, whether that's one on one or we have, we set up certain masterminds and so on. And, um, really just talking things through, uh, with my network. I've spent the last 25 years building an amazing network of people. Um, who really are excellent experts in their own fields and having a chat with them. Um, I think there's no better resource, at least for me, than uh, I call it the leverage of trust. <laughs> Great. I love it. Okay. And what's the best way to keep a, a client on track? You kind of alluded a little bit to some of the elements before, I think. Well, we, we have to realize that sharing the knowledge or the knowledge exchange the knowledge transfer is the easiest part of you know coaching consulting whatever we do uh the much harder part is implementation so uh keeping them accountable and helping them with you know properly planning and seeing things from the outside uh you'll see with all of us we all overestimate how much we will do in a day uh um, which is completely unrealistic. We are very optimistical about how much we think we will accomplish and then, you know, we don't. Um, so yeah, just supporting them throughout the implementation process. Um, that Mika in your pocket thing that I mentioned. Mm. Um, I, I hate using the 10x thing because, you know, Grant Cardone is using that word. Uh, so I really don't like to use it, but I can honestly say that, uh, we've seen 10x on the speed, how people go from one stage onto the other uh, when they uh, use uh, the Mika in your pocket. We really do, because it's the implementation stage that's always the hardest. Hmm. Yeah, and, and being able to talk to somebody um, basically any time that they feel stuck perhaps or, or they're, yeah. they're yeah. facing a decision where it might not be really clear-cut is this the best way to go or is the other choice the best way? Yes. Great. I'll have to keep that one in mind. <laughs> and what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Um, talk to people. Talk to your ideal client avatars. Figure out, put some hypothesis out there on a piece of paper who you think your ideal client avatar is or are and then go out and talk to them. I mean, unless you are a big business with a lot of cash flow to burn through and you can use, you know, focus groups and, and whatnot and data-driven research and so on, uh, if you are a small entrepreneur or just starting out, just go out, talk to people and just be curious, listen, ask questions, listen, be curious. They'll tell you everything. And then if you put those things together, you can have an amazing product market fit and then your unique value proposition will come out of that as well. Mm. Yeah, I love it. It's, uh, it's such a simple concept and yet uh, not many people really do it, do they? Yes, they like I see with almost all my clients, that's the one thing that they want to skip. They would rather... I don't know, spent hours on Google researching and reading posts and blogs and this and that, but it's really the easiest thing. Uh, just a few days ago, uh, we, we have a new client and uh, he told me how he spent two hours while driving, listening to a course that he bought on product development because they want to develop a new product. And I was like, well, Imagine if you would spend those two hours talking to four people who fit your ideal client avatar, how much you would learn. Because right now you got a lot of theory, 
but you still have no clue on the problems and the solutions that the ideal client guy avatar is wanting and needing and if you can fill that gap. Um, if you would talk with four people for 30 minutes while doing that same drive, right now we would have so much more to talk about. But yeah, um, it, it just doesn't come naturally to most people. Even the people who are very chatty ones, uh, when it comes to doing this research, um, they it gets into their head and you really have to close your head, come from the heart and really just be curious as a kid asking a whole bunch of questions, being present in the moment, record the call, go back to it later, make notes later, just have fun. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. And and you talked about servant leadership at, at the outset, um, and I think that's a really great um, embodiment of servant leadership to me. Yes. I mean, I'm a firm believer that politicians and world leaders are just in it for their own ass uh, and that the only people who are servant leaders are fellow entrepreneurs and you know it's on us entrepreneurs to change this world for the better and the more servant leaders are there uh, the better this world will be hmm. right well thanks Miha. this has been fabulous now where can people find out more about you maybe even reach out to say thanks for what you've shared today and also get a hold of the um, case study document. Well, the easiest is if they connect with me on LinkedIn. So mm -hmm. that's by far the easiest. I love connecting with people. But if they just want to, you know, dive into a little bit more without having to talk to me, then the best thing is just to type into Google fail coach. Uh, I'm still the only fail coach in the world. So all the resources uh, that you get on the first two or three pages of those Google results will point into some of the directions and then they can choose whatever they prefer to dive in. Great. Okay. And we'll, we'll include your LinkedIn profile and the fail coach link in the show notes. Do you have some parting advice for our listener today as we wrap this up? Well, there's one thing that I always like to say uh, at the end when I'm given the opportunity and, and that is, uh, Stay humble, uh, because when you get too cocky, things go wrong. Be mm. grateful, uh, because so much of the time we think about what's not working, but we overlook celebrating even the little wins on a daily basis. And then, like I said, uh, fail fast, fail forward with healthy relationship towards failure. And mm. I think if, if they follow that, um, they will be in amazing place when it comes to entrepreneurship. Yeah, yeah, it's a great mantra to live by. So thanks for that. And um, finally, Miha, who else should I get on this show and why? Whew, I have so many ideas. I think uh, one, one th gentleman, Brendan, um, he was my guest on the LinkedIn Live just a few weeks ago. He's amazing at uh, helping people with communication, uh, communi uh, public appearances, uh, and, and just communication, internal uh, uh, and external within the company and outside towards clients and so on. I think he would be an amazing value um, to your listeners. So I will be very happy to make the introduction uh, if you will want so, Jürgen. Okay, that sounds like a fascinating topic to explore and have a conversation over. So, yeah, we'll get that introduction to Brendan from you and, and invite him onto the show as well. So thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights so generously with you, with us today, with me today, and, and I've really enjoyed having you on the show. It's been wonderful to chat again. I had a, had a blast when I was on your LinkedIn Live coffee chat, and um, this has been just as much fun, if not more. So thanks for sharing your journey with us and, and your um, relationship with failure and teaching us all about um, you know, embracing failure as feedback and as a gift, actually. Well, Jürgen, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity and inviting me to your podcast. Uh, and I truly hope that this will be valuable to your listeners. And yeah, just thank you so much for uh, this conversation. It's always 
Uh, absolutely lovely talking to you. Thanks, Miha. I hope you enjoyed that wonderfully engaging and informative conversation with Miha and took something away from his episode today. I particularly like Miha's approach to turning off the autopilot reaction to events and his approach to being mindful in the moment to see the choices that we have. I'd love to know what you took away from Miha's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Miha Matlievsky. That is M-I-H-A-M-A-T-L-I-E-V-S-K-I. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Miha Matlievsky. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Miha, as well as links to the Fail Coach website, to Miha's social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. If you like this episode, please don't keep it to yourself. Do share it with at least two other people, maybe even more, that it might help. Tag me in on that share, and I'll reach out to you with a special thank you. Miha suggested that we have a conversation with Brendan Kumarasamy, who has previously appeared on episode 373 on a future Innova Buzz podcast. So we'll invite Brendan back to talk about good communication. Brendan, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the Innova Buzz podcast, courtesy of Miha Matlievsky this time. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including Cultivator of Curiosity, Lauren Yee, and Wade Galt of the Three Day Weekend Club. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.